Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters listeners and friends, you are most welcome to the talk show for talkers here on irishtalkers.com. I'm delighted to say that we have three wonderful Toastmasters sitting in the virtual studio today. I will introduce them one by one. Mr. Paul O'Mahony, our regular host of hostess, no, host of the most. I can't say, no, it doesn't work, does it? Um, Mr. James Finnegan. And our special guest this week, Mr. James Plunkett Jr. I assume, James, that I'm correct in uh, in adding that moniker on at the end, the junior bit. Yes, well, it was more appropriate when my dad was still alive. But anyhow, <laughs> just as a habit, habit, just kept it on there. <laughs> I see. Well, now I have, now I have a junior. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, are you counting up the, the the second and the third and you know the James Plumpet the twenty fifth and so on? Yes, well the the third is quite uh, embarrassed and upset when we put the third <laughs> by its name. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, as you know, this is the Talk Show for Talkers. Our website is irishtalkers.com. You can get in touch with us at info at irishtalkers.com or find us on Facebook as the Talk Show for Talkers. I will now hand you over to your host for today, Mr. Paul Imani. We have never interviewed on this podcast anyone who's come for us far away as Jim Plunkett has come. I don't remember us interviewing anyone from Ecuador, Argentina, Brazil, the Falklands yet. But let me start, Jim Plunkett, by asking you, as a form of little table topic, short, please, because you've had a long life, please introduce yourself to our listeners, who, by the way, are all over the globe. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be with you today and quite a unique treat for me. I was born in a place called Assening, New York, which is up the Hudson River from Manhattan. And it's just, uh, <laughs> it's only two blocks away from Sing Sing Prison, the very famous federal prison. <laughs> My father was serving time. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> We lived uh, about 15 miles away from Osning in, in a town called Tarrytown, New York, which is a very historical place. And also, it's the residence and home of the Rockefeller family, that very poor family that, that, that settled there some years back. <laughs> but uh, so anyhow, I lived there until after World War II was just over. And my father worked for General Motors, for Chevrolet, uh, all his life, from the time he was 15 years old. So we were subject to changing locations because of his work, and they, he was sent here and there. And we went to Connecticut. And in Connecticut, we settled there and lived in about three different locations. And then from we, there, we went to Rhode Island, the smallest state in the Union. And from there... I went to a college up in Maine called Colby College, about 1,800 students. And then I went into the U.S. Marine Corps because at the time there was a conflict between South Korea and Vietnam and all these things. So I went in the Marines for four years. I was sent to the Philippines 
and Japan. Luckily, there was no conflict going on while I was over there. And I came back and finally got settled. And before I went into the Marines, I was invited to Peru by one of my classmates from Colby College, Carlos Davila, a Peruvian. And Carlos invited me down to visit and spend Christmas just before I had to go active in the Marines. And while I was there, his sister introduced me to a very lovely local girl. Well, we had a relationship by letter and back and forth. And just before I finished my service over in the Philippines, I called her long distance one day and said, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Say, how's everything? Fine. Wonderful. Uh, I wanted to ask you something. Yes. What was it? Would you like to get married? <laughs> what? <laughs> married? Well, well, yes, I guess so. I'll have to ask my mother, but yeah, I'd love to. So she agreed. So I get on the plane, went to Los Angeles, down to Lima, met up with her again. The mass was all prepared. That's the St. Philip's Church. And we married very happily, went back to the States, finished off the Marine Corps. And that's when I got my first full-time job with the oil company. And things went along fine. We had two children at the beginning, and then a little while passed by, we had two more children. And 43 years went by when all of a sudden, unfortunately, she developed a cancer situation and we lost her. So that was very, very sad and very difficult. But meanwhile, when I got to Lima and settled there in 1964, Carlos invited me to the Toastmasters Club. I had no idea what it was about. I went, enjoyed it very much. They invited me to participate in a thing called the Topics. I declined. Jim, don't worry. If you're a little concerned or nervous, that's okay. Some other time, next time, you can... Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I was frightened to death. The topics, what is that all about? No. So after the second week, I finally developed enough courage to participate, and I loved it. And I signed up and joined. And well, that's why, yes. Well, Jim, look, what a fantastic introduction to yourself. I would call that an icebreaker. <laughs> at least at least <laughs> i think i think you deserve educational credit in a in a path and literally just talking about icebreakers as a matter of interest uh, are you on any particular path in the education program of toastmasters today yes i'm on actually i have three paths i just got a, another one about uh, dealing with humor but the first path that i signed up for was Presentation mastery. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I can see that. Well, I don't know how good you were before you signed up for presentation mastery, but do, do you feel you've made some progress so far? Well, uh, I still haven't mastered the presentations, but anyway. <laughs> I, I'm on my way I'm up to level four. And I have a very good mentor. She's our educational vice president. She's a certified public accountant, very serious girl. And I really have to thank her because she's been guiding me and pushing me. And I'm on my way to a DTM, just like uh, Moida. And that, for me, is a must because 
59 years in Toastmasters, and I'm still not a DTM. Come on now, something's wrong. Well, I tell you what, Jim, I have to say I'm delighted you're not a DTM. I am. Uh, I consider you already to be a distinguished individual. Now, I look forward to you becoming a distinguished Toastmaster, but it probably is fairly well known among some of our listeners that I don't go in for three-letter acronyms or whatever they're called. Um, and I, I uh, myself uh, regard uh, people who do use those letters as distinguished. But look, that's me. That's just me. Can I take you back to, did you say 1964? Right. That was the time when the Beatles were really getting going. Now, can I ask you, did the Beatles play any part in you joining Toastmasters? No, I tried to get in touch with them, but it was very difficult at the time. They were quite famous, though. <laughs> I could just about just about get in touch with Frank Sinatra, let alone the Beagles and the Beatles. <laughs> so let me ask you today: What uh, clubs did you say you are a um, paid-up member of today? Yes, today, well, I'm a member. First of all, I started off, and I'm still with Lima Toastmasters 3098U, which means it's a district club because there aren't that many clubs in general in South America yet. They're forming clubs, but we're still considered a U. But uh, we've had a very progressive club. It's about 63 years old, the club itself. And then when this pandemic situation came along, some of our members started drifting, visiting other clubs via Zoom. And the first one they visited, one of the girls went to a meeting in a place up in uh, Oregon, not too far from Portland, called Sherwood Town Criers Toastmasters Club. Small group, very nice, friendly people. I liked it. I decided to join. So I joined them. I'm still active with them. And then there was another opportunity in a place called, uh, what was it? Ireland. Ireland, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, somebody somebody had, oh, I know, one of the girls, another girl in the club had gone to a meeting in a club called, what was it, uh, Bridge, came, not Cambridge, what was the, uh, this, uh, Clinton, Mr. Clinton Bridge, is the president. Bridgetown? No. Oh no, that's a television show. Sorry, it's um, not too. Far, it's not too far from Dublin. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, like Storm Storbridge. I forget. Anyway, you met you I, met David Clinton. Yes, I met David Clinton. I went to the meeting and uh, had a very pleasant experience. Had some very nice people there, the the members. And after the meeting was over, he said, "Jim, by the way." I have plunkets in my family. I said, what? Are you serious? Yes, yes. In fact, I've done a little family history. I've gone back 600 years, and we have several plunkets in our family. Oh, David, that is interesting, very interesting. And then an older lady in the club, Mary Conlon, raised her hand and said, Jim, I said, yes, Marty, Jim, uh, you won't believe it, but I also have Plunkett's in my family. I don't believe it, Marty. Are you serious? Yes, I do. So now we call each other cousins. And uh... <laughs> uh, Jim, I... to, Jim, I'd like to ask you a few uh, questions, a few questions very quickly for you to answer. Let's call each of them about a 30 second table topic. 
All right. So number one is, why did you join Toastmasters originally and why are you still in it? The reason I joined originally, it was, as I said before, one year after I arrived to Lima, I did not speak Spanish and I was quite anxious to meet more English speakers, fellow Americans, etc. And so the first thing I did was join a club for my family, my two little children. It was called the Lima Cricket and Football Club. It was a British club. And does that mean, does that mean you learn you joined Toastmasters in order to get better at speaking Spanish? Well, not really. I be just I wanted to speak because I'm a born speaker, <laughs> a blabber, blabber, I should say. So they were all English speakers in the toast in the local Toastmasters club. So that worked out perfectly well. At the same time, I started picking up some Spanish and I, I was fortunate to get a job with a Peruvian co manufacturing company that manufactured mining equipment. And they would send me off once a month for a week up into the Andes. And I was kind of obliged to learn Spanish, which I did in about six months. But, Brilliant. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, obviously a fast learner. Now, the next few questions are basically one sentence answers, uh, Jim. And right. tell me this much. Tell me this much. In all your time in Toastmasters, who are the most impressive uh, communicators that you've ever met? The most impressive probably would be a, a gentleman from the Toastmasters for Golf Club that I joined as a result of the visit of one of our girls. His name is Paul O'Mahony. And uh, it, I was quite impressed with his performance, not only as a Toastmaster, but as a general speaker. And we, must have him, we must get him on the show if he's still alive, uh, Jim. Thank you very much. That, that's <laughs> now tell me, tell, me, tell me two things you've gained out of Toastmasters in your, did you say 67 years? 59, 59, 59 years. Actually, there will have to be a 60th celebration. Um, uh, Paul, excuse me, uh, is 58. I, I was in, I had been in Lima 59. I joined the year after I arrived. So 58. Right. Pity. Cause I was thinking it could be at next year's international convention because it would coincide with the hundred years uh, of Toastmasters. But back yeah. to the question, uh, two things you've gained that you most value from Toastmasters, please. I learned how to speak properly before people, not only large groups of people, but smaller groups, meetings, company meetings, club meetings, this type of thing. And it has enabled me to connect with people and improve my living as far as my work is concerned, move up in different levels, etc. So that's been very helpful to me. Well, I might as well ask you then at the same time, uh, two things you haven't yet got out of Toastmasters that you would like to get out of Toastmasters. That is a very good question. Um, I The only thing I can say is perhaps making more friends, moving around like today, for example, visiting more Toastmasters clubs. I already was asked to serve as a district, as an area director in Vancouver, which I did for a year. That was an interesting experience. But in general, I think it's probably to meet more friends and to get some more experience listening to other Toastmasters and gaining by their experience and using that myself in my own circumstances. Oh, Jim, you must come to the District 71 
hybrid conference in Liverpool at the end of May then to meet some some more people on this side of the Atlantic. How about that? Sounds good. Love to. Now, look, I've got one last question for you, and it's a very big one. And after all, remember, we're in public now. I don't have too much money with me, Paul. Oh, you, can, you can speak completely freely here. Okay. What would you change about Toastmasters if you became the czar of Toastmasters? In other words, you, your will will, will prevail. What I think I would do is try to open the doors more and get more people involved because from what I've seen so far, it's a question of Toastmasters inviting friends, uh, using things, a few tools like Meetup and to recruit new possible members of the club, etc. But I think that Toastmasters has to be more aggressive. I think we have to go around to... Uh, School, advanced schools, like graduate schools, perhaps, English. Well, it depends upon the language. Though. For example, in, in Peru, a lot of people join Toastmasters because they want to improve their level of English. They're basically Spanish speakers. So what we do here, what we try to do, is approach some of these language schools around town, like the Britannica, etc., and uh, say, listen, when your people are finished with the courses here, we have something very interesting for you called Toastmasters, where they can not only improve the level of their English and continue, but they can also put it to use as far as their business or whatever their activities might be. So I think that Toastmasters has to be a little more aggressive and go after some of these potential organizations and incorporate them in our Toastmasters movement. Fantastic. And apropos of that, Jim, are you an aggressive person? Yes, that's my wife. No, I mean, yes. I, I... <laughs> uh, just, I just love that because in all the Toastmasters international documentation I've read about how to recruit new members and what the role of the public relations person is and what the role of the vice president membership is and what the club leadership team should be doing. I haven't come across, I must have missed it, that you must recruit aggressively to grow <laughs> your club. Now, I can tell you this is a very influential podcast, Jim, so you never know on the next edition of Club Leadership Handbook you your phrase might appear what would you be pleased if that was in there fine i'd be glad to have it published that's for sure yeah as long as it helps the cause of the organization <laughs> fantastic well look jim plunkett you have been a gem in fact you are the most mature toastmaster that has ever been interviewed on this podcast ever since it was begun in 2014. But you certainly have more experience in Toastmasters than um, all the club members in one or two clubs I've come across. Well, I belong to five clubs now. And the last club I joined was Columbia University Toastmasters in New York, which is a very interesting club. A, a, a fellow member of my club invited me to a meeting. I really enjoyed it. And after two or three visits, I joined them. And that is quite a club because they have a big university to back them up. They have met there for quite a few years. 
And they, before the pandemic, had an average of over 100 members and guests at a weekly meeting. I mean, now they have 35, which I think is more practical. But even so, and I noticed that they're from all over the world. A lot of them are studying at Columbia, et cetera. But that was has been quite an experience. So I've got a little club in Oregon. I've got a golfer's club in Ireland. I've got a very interesting club in New York City. And it's just been a wonderful experience. And I never would have had that if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Well, Jim Plunkett, let me wish you total success on your path to getting distinguished Toastmaster in your letterhead and in your email uh, signature. And But you are already, in the eyes of many, one of the most distinguished Toastmasters who anyone has ever met. And it is a joy to have had this opportunity to talk to you on the talk show for talkers. Do you mind if I compare you with one other person in the whole world? I think that you could easily be regarded as the David Attenborough of Toastmasters. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's quite an honor. <laughs> well, I appreciate the opportunity. I'd love to come back and join you again, if I'm permitted. Oh, look, you'd always be welcome to come back. You you may find a fifth window on the screen. Your presence will elevate the entertainment in the podcast, I think. Anyway, Maura O'Brien, what, what would you like to say to Jim before he leaves? I would say, like to say, Jim, thank you for your presence. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your erudition. Thank you for your lack of ums and ers and you knows and likes. I, it makes my life so much easier because I don't have to do any editing. And on that positive note, we'll call this episode to a close. And we'll invite you to join us again next week when we will have the second of our new style podcasts where we'll be talking about uh, things going on at Toastmasters. We'll have a word of the week and we'll have hopefully something useful about speech making. So we'll see you again Wonderful. next week. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye, James. Bye. Bye now, Jim. Love you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much.